Yeah, so, you know, basically for me, um, you know, the, the things that didn't work out uh, were situations where I went against my gut instinct and um, didn't listen to what, what I knew intuitively inside was not the right decision. So whether it was taken, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made, I love to help people. I love to help people grow. And in my company, sometimes I would take somebody that I wanted more for, but they didn't want it for themselves. So I put them in a position that I felt like they could do. I thought that they would be great and it would improve their life, but internally they didn't want it and they would fail, which would cause the organization to fail at a level, you know, so one of the biggest mistakes is taking people that you think can do something and just trying to force that on them versus letting people come to you and tell you, I want to do this. And in every company I started, people came to me and said, hey, I have this thing. I want to do this thing. I didn't go to them. They all came to me. But in my own company, for whatever reason, I, you know, I just I love to help people. And I just if somebody's not reaching their full potential, I want to help them get there. But that's a mistake. People have to come to you. They have to give you that that sincere desire. Um, you know, one of the other mistakes I made in a business that, that resulted in a, in a big loss was I trusted other people um, to do something when I knew intuitively they weren't doing the right thing. You know, I just said, well, you know, and these people were industry experts, you know, they, it was a restaurant venture and they came from a corporate restaurant background just like me. And, you know, um, I let them kind of run things and make some decisions. And I was kind of like, you know, that's probably not what we should do. And they're like, oh, that's what we did here. And, you know, we were one of the best companies around and, and I was like, yeah, okay, you know, I'll give it a shot. And then ultimately it didn't work out. You know, it was just too much, you know, back and forth. So you got to go with your gut. If you know inside intuitively what's right and there's something like hiring somebody, if you're interviewing somebody, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm not so sure. Anytime you get that, you go against it, you're always going to find out, you know what? I should have listened. Uh, listened to that gut. Yeah. So um, right now, you know, so every market is different. Real estate hyper local. So as you know, so every market is different. Every type of real estate and every class of real estate is different. So you, you have to take a hyper local viewpoint, especially right now with everything that's going on, because it's not just a pandemic now with all of the social unrest and, and all of the riots and things that brings even another dynamic to things where, you know, some some deals in some areas you got to just hold off right now. Right. So some of these cities that are experiencing this turmoil not a great idea to go in and buy a piece of property right now because you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, the debt market has really changed. Uh, the capital markets have really changed. There's a lot of um, lack of liquidity in a lot of ways out there. You can't get construction loans uh, as easily as you could before. Those are very difficult to get. A lot of the life companies um, have, uh, you know, taken their uh, chips off the table. Um, you know, Freddie and Fannie are pretty much the only game in town now. And then HUD, you know, still doing multifamily construction loans. So those issues are affecting a lot of decisions right now. So my advice, you know, to a lot of people is we really don't know where things are going. We don't know if we're going to get another flare up of the coronavirus, if that's going to come back anytime soon or in the fall. We don't know what that's going to do. And then if it does, what's the result on the economy? Are we going to, you know, the president said he's not going to lock down again. I know a lot of governors say they're not going to lock down, but people will. You know, people start getting sick. They're going to just stay home. So there will be a real effect on the economy there. Um, so until you have that behind us, you know, with a treatment, vaccine, whatever, if, if that can even happen, um, you got to really kind of prepare for the fact that this is, this is where it's at and it's the way it's going to be. So you have to look at, we're not going to really be able to increase rents, um, you know, any, in the near term, especially to in-place rents, uh, maybe new leases, you might be able to bump the rent a little bit, but in-place rents, you're not going to be able to do a whole lot with that right now. Uh, evictions are going to be a problem. Rent controls are going to be a problem. So you need to really take a local look at the local level on what are the real effects 
of all of this at the local level and what kind of legislation do they have in the pipeline and are they proposing uh, to protect tenants? Um, you know, there, there's a big workforce affordable housing movement out there, which is needed in a lot of areas. So um, you want to look at that niche. How can I serve that? How can I be a part of that? Is there opportunity there? So that's a, a good opportunity. But um, in general, you know, you just got to be a little bit more diligent. You got to dig a little deeper. So if you're looking at income properties, no matter what they are, you really need to dig deep down to the level of who's the tenants, where do they work? What is their employment outlook? What does their company look like? So you want to underwrite rental properties on the residential side, like you do commercial properties. When you're doing a commercial uh, retail office, retail industrial, whatever it is, for people that are watching, you know, we vet the tenant down to the level of their company financials. So we look at their company financials, the history of their company, the credit rating of their company, what the future of that company outlook looks like before we sign leases with them. So you want to kind of do the same thing with your residential tenants now. Who are they working for? And you got to underwrite the company that they're working for and the position they have in that company. You know, if they're in a certain at-risk position and you've got a building that has a certain number of employees that, that have a certain job, you know, you got to really take that in consideration. So uh, you have to look at things a little bit differently. It's a little bit different of a business plan now. If you're adding value or increasing income, you've got to look more of operational efficiencies, you know, other income um, opportunities and revenue centers that you can create within the different types of properties uh, in the different classes. And then you got to take a real hard look at the markets. You know, I, I don't think the coronavirus is going to have a huge effect on people leaving major cities, a little bit, but not huge exodus. But now with everything else that's going on, I think you know, there might be more people looking to exit some of these major metropolitan areas and kind of get out and, and get some breathing room here. So very interesting times. Yeah, it seems like a lot of uncertainty. Um, I mean, I guess if you're an investor and you had been investing in capital appreciation in addition to cash flow, or you've been, you know, negative cash flow in some cases and, and betting on capital appreciation, where would you be now? Yeah, so yeah, a lot of people are in some some difficult situations. Surprisingly, across the country, with everybody I'm dealing with and everybody I know, most everybody is doing well from a rent collection standpoint in the That's true. in the residential space. That's in the residential space. Now, you know, retail, hospitality, office. That's you know, those markets are just taking a beating right now and, and are very very you know troubled markets. You know, a lot of a lot of properties there that are going to be in some difficult waters here moving forward. And who knows what the landscape's going to look like there, but there's going to be redevelopment opportunities. So you take some of these hotels, turn them into, you know, micro apartments, right? Or turn them into senior living or something like that. So that's a great niche for hotels, especially these two-story hotels that have ex uh, exterior entries. Those make great garden style apartments, um, you know, smaller niche apartments in different areas. You can get really good multiples on those and you can get really fantastic cap rates. So that's where you can get a lot of margin right now. Uh, you know, the bigger multi-story hotels make great uh, senior living facilities. Um, that you can turn those into, you know, whatever, assisted, non-assisted, just general, you know, age-restricted type facilities. Um, there's, there was a movement of seniors moving into hotels and living that way before this all started anyways. Um, so that's a neat niche to kind of look at, micro-senior living type arrangements. Um, you know, office buildings are getting converted into uh, multifamily. Those make more better traditional multifamilies in some areas, especially urban markets with big high-rises. You might see some of that turning into condos, turning into residential, um, as well as the branded residential market for hotels. Uh, they were already starting to enter that market before this all happened. And then the hotel market, you know, there's still going to be opportunity there, but you really need to know what you're doing. You got to have some deep pockets, some good financing, and you got to have a long-term outlook. So no matter what you're doing, residential or commercial, multifamily, hospitality, retail, whatever it is, 
And you got to underwrite with a 10-year to 15-year outlook right now because you just don't know where things are going to be. And the economy in and of itself, we're 18 to 24 months before we get any kind of real significant recovery there. I mean, we're going to come back a little bit here as people start to get out, if they can stay out. But any real significant, meaningful recovery, you're 18 to 24 months minimum. And that's not just me. That's the brightest minds in, in the economy.